Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fourth and Inches Show with Jana and the Sherpa. Unfortunately, tonight the Sherpa can't be with us, but we have a wonderful co-host sitting in for him, Ginny, who I will introduce you to in just a second. First, I want to let you know what we're talking about tonight. This is an all-strategy show, since the majority of you are going to be drafting your fantasy football leagues this week or next week. We want to make sure you're prepared, have all your questions answered, and anything else you may need along the way. Uh, Again, we're here for an hour until 10.30, and we're here every week from 9.30 to 10.30 throughout the season. You can get a hold of us on Twitter at the number 4THNInchesShow. You can email us, the number 4THNInchesShow at gmail.com, the same user handle, or you can call in at 347-677-1608. That's 347-677-1608. And um, we've got a lot of great things ahead tonight, but first I want to let Ginny say hi to you all and tell us all a little bit about her. So, Ginny, you have the floor. Okay. Well, well, well first of all, Jenna, thanks for the uh, warm introduction and thanks for the invite. You know, I met uh, the Sherpa last, uh, last Saturday on the Fantasy Football Twitter Roundtable here on, on BTR as well. We had a great, um, interesting conversation. We talked about Aaron Rodgers' sweet ass, and he was a fan of that as well. So uh, I think that <laughs> that kind of spawned me into this, um, take, uh, filling in his, his, uh, his shoes tonight. Um, so I was just going to tell you. <laughs> Do what? It was an What's excellent you? audition. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was going to tell you a little bit about myself, how I got into fantasy football and everything, and and I think that, that, that how I got into it was just, you know, a, a pure love and respect of the sport that is, you know, NFL football. I find the whole sport intriguing, and, and I love that, that, that fantasy football allows me to delve into that deeper and, and follow it a little bit more intensely. Um, and, and it, be, it helps me become aware of the sport and the, and the happenings within it a little bit more. And, um, and that is followed, obviously, by a deeper love of the Green Bay Packers. Um, there is no better sport, no better team in the NFL. My uh, father was born and raised, raised in Milwaukee, so my five siblings and I, we were bred to be Packer fans, and um, we do nothing but talk talk uh packers bleed green and gold and then eat brats and fried cheese curds all day so um <laughs> but um i'm a i'm a, also a member of the fantasy sports writers association um i don't write for any website in particular for a couple years i i worked under the umbrella of the fantasy sports publications and um i was a finalist for the fantasy sports writers association best article um in print for um my magic touch article that i did on running backs and you know from there i decided not to do fantasy football writing or anything full-time because I wanted to make sure that it remained a hobby and I never wanted it to be a chore. So that's kind of where I'm at now. You can find me on Twitter. It's Twitter slash GBGinny. That's GB as in Green Bay. And then Ginny is spelled G-I-N-N-Y. So if you want to get in touch with me there, sometimes I tweet nonsense and sometimes it's football. So just roll the roulette and see what you get for the most part. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a good mix of tweets, I think. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, sometimes. <laughs> well, since I'm a Cowboys fan, I have a little bit of a problem with you from some past Green Bay games that haven't quite gone my way, but I think we'll be able to coexist. <laughs> well, a, a couple years ago, you guys got the Aaron Rodgers uh, interception, so we'll call it even. <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. <laughs> 
And um, let's go right into the show here. We'll talk about a couple of big cuts and injuries happened this week that will definitely be affecting your fantasy football draft. Uh, first off, the biggest injury in the last week, I, in my opinion, is Donnie Avery, the wide receiver for the Rams, tore his right ACL and is done for the year, which I, if I had to take somebody from the Rams, that was the only guy I was interested in fantasy-wise. So I, well, the Rams Obviously are Steven Jackson, but... <laughs> yeah, I just... The, the whole Rams situation makes me really uneasy, especially now without Donnie Avery. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, they're lucky that they still have Laurent Robinson and Danny Amendola, Brandon Gibson, so that should help to fill in that gap. But, you know, the Rams, they're just, they're just, they're going to start off in a hole. And unless, unless they can fix some stuff, like I said last week, Steven Jackson is going to get gang banged every play and injury, it's almost inevitable. So I just, I hate it for the Rams this season. Jackson hasn't really proven to be the guy who can stay healthy all season the last couple of years, and this is just going to make it even worse. I mean, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, unfortunately, it has a lot to do with the Rams O line and everything too. And he just he just can't he he just can't get it through. But uh, anyways, all right, we had a couple of big cuts, some surprising ones. I thought, Uh, starting with Antonio Bryant, the Bengals cut him. I mean, I know he was injured and he didn't play in any of the preseason games, but, I mean, they just signed him two and a half months ago to a multi-year deal worth millions of dollars, and they're giving up on him already. I guess they have a lot of uh, faith in Jordan Shipley and their other younger guys they drafted, and with T.O. and Ocho Cinco there already, I, there must not have been room, but I'm still a little surprised by this. I, I think he lands somewhere, don't you? Well, you know, I, actually, to me, it's not that much of a surprise. I think that, you know, the Bengals signed to you because they, they, they knew going into it that Antonio Bryant, has to, he has some serious knee issues, and it has to be worked out if he is ever going to be an NFL player again. He has got to get his recurring knee issue under control. So they signed to you, um, you know, and, and, and I just, it, it's not that much of a surprise to me, you know, but um, he, like I said, he's just got to get that that knee working, you know, figure out what's wrong with it if he ever wants to play in the NFL again. Yeah, I, I hope he can. I mean, he wasn't a terrible receiver when he was healthy. No, no, it's just, you know, but, you know, knee injuries, if you can't fix that, you know, it just it just swells every day worse and worse, and it's just, it's one of those nagging injuries. Yeah, and um, also Derek Ward. The Buccaneers cut their running back, Derek Ward, who uh, just a few weeks ago the Sherpa and I were debating, and I was talking about how Cadillac Williams is definitely going to get more of the time than Ward, and obviously I'm a mind reader because <laughs> I clearly saw this coming. And yeah. it once again that I'm the smarter of the duo. <laughs> well, you know, unfortunately, Derek Ward, he's just, in Tampa Bay, he was just nowhere near the back that he was when he was with no. the Giants. And the problem is they're really, they're Cadillac's their guy. Whether or not, I mean, I know he's played his injuries, but they've fully committed to him, and they made that clear. And uh, now it looks like Kareem Huggins is going to be number two, and some people have been talking about him as a sleeper earlier 
and it looks like he's upgraded from sleeper status. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, with, with as long as Cadillac Williams is healthy, you know, the Bucks have a chance here. And then, but obviously Kareem Huggins is just shooting right up draft boards of all sorts of owners in the rankings. And with that, we have to we have to keep in mind fullback Ernest Graham too. He is definitely going to be a bigger part of this offense this year. And so when when yeah. Kareem Huggins goes up, watch out because a lot of owners are, are putting Ernest Graham right back up there as well too. And if Cadillac Williams misses time, Graham's going to become a, a, a huge part of that. So we just need to you know keep that in mind too. I think it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out over the season. So yeah, I just really, I, I'm really hoping that Calac Williams stays healthy this year. I really want to see him excel in the NFL. So I know he can be so explosive and so much fun to watch, but we haven't really gotten a lot of chances to yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, Lavernius Coles was let go by the Jets. Uh, it looks like he's thinking about retiring. Uh, they only picked him up because they had some suspension issues, and they're cutting him now to avoid paying him his full salary. Mm-hmm. They're talking about maybe wanting to pick it, re-sign him after week one, but he's not really having that. I just, it's a weird situation. I think he probably retires just because he doesn't need money. He said in an article he didn't want to be a journeyman player, but it's kind of sad to see him go. You know, it is. He holds some records there, and it's it, it is hard to see him go, but he's 32 years old. He's he's not yeah. at the top of his game. You know, if they've got Jericho Cotri, they've got Braylon Underbirds, and after four games, they've got Santonio Holmes. He doesn't. He's not. He's not going to be a fantasy relevance. He's not going to help the team out that much. And maybe it is time to just hang up the cleats and, and call it a day. It was a good run while he had it. You know, so yeah, exactly. I, I fully expect him to retire as well. And the biggest news in the last two days coming out of the NFL is the Matt Leinart situation. Uh, Mm -hmm. It looks like they're talking about trading him, the Giants, the Bills, the Raiders. They've all inquired. Uh, Some people say he's definitely going to get traded. Some people are saying it's just a ruse. It's not going to happen. But it looks like just from an outside perspective, it seems like maybe he's just not gelling with the team and with the front office. Uh, there's been some off-the-field questionable choices. I just, it's really strange. He was such a phenom in college. I, I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's ever going to be an elite quarterback. I don't think he's going to be an elite quarterback with the Cardinals. They've made that clear. If they're willing to take Derek Anderson over him as a starter, but I did uh, bet Sherpa last week that. By week seven, Derek Anderson would be the guy in Arizona. And once again, obviously, I'm a mind reader. I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, those cookies are coming my way, buddy. <laughs> and, you know, tomorrow night, Derek Anderson, he's going to be the, the – the, the starting quarterback there, and I, I wholeheartedly believe that if he has a strong performance tomorrow, he, he's going to end up being the starting quarterback for the Cardinals. I don't doubt that at all. I mean, yeah. just a couple years ago in Cleveland, 4,000 yards, like almost 30 touchdowns. I mean, there's no reason to believe that he can't duplicate that success this year in Arizona. He's got top-notch quality receivers. you got Larry Fitzgerald. you got Steve Preston. you even got an early descent. I mean, you yeah. know, if they give him the shot, I don't I – don't, I, I don't see anything I mean, wrong just, with with. I feel better about him as a quarterback in Arizona because he's got a way better team than he used to have, mm-hmm. and he's proven that he can be a ten-win quarterback. Even with oh, absolutely. A team, with a team like this, who knows what he can do? But Matt Leinart hasn't proven anything at the NFL level, so I. I've, 
if you're looking for less risk, there's marginally less with Derek Anderson than there is with Liner. And I think it's I, I don't think it's an awful idea. I think it's a weird situation, but I don't disagree with it. Absolutely. I mean, and when, and when it, I, I've never been impressed with my liner, liner out of USC. I, I just it, yeah. at USC, yes, but as an NFL, no. I kind of have the same opinion of Tim Tebow. That's yet to be seen. I might change my opinion on that. But you know, they have been calling other teams to see what they're going to get for him. I don't know. I think maybe they're doing it to see what is he even worth. Is it even worth us trading him? So I think that they're kind of you know dipping their toes in the water on that. But there there is definitely some some something going on behind the scenes there as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that people are going to have to look at come draft day for their fantasy teams. Are you willing to take a risk on either of these quarterbacks? I don't know if I am. If I had to pick one of the two, it would be Anderson, but I'd prefer to not take either if I could. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely would not draft Matt Leiner, but I I would probably say what the hell and draft Steve Anderson and and call it a day and see where I ended up at the end. I mean, you, you never know what can happen. I know he's capable of putting up great numbers, so I, I have more confidence in, in, in my awesomeness to draft him. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Um, speaking of the draft, let's uh, get right into our strategy topics for tonight. How do you prepare for your draft? Do you have a certain ritual? Are there certain sites you look at? Are you a list maker? How do you get ready? Well, you know, one thing that I will tell anybody, anywhere, anytime when it comes to fantasy football and preparing for your draft is the best thing that you can do for yourself, honestly, you can read whatever you want. You can make as many lists as you want. But if you don't participate in mock drafts, you are going to be way out of the loop and you are going to be way just totally lost on draft day. I, really? I, I am a firm. Because I'm, I'm so anti-mock draft. I oh, my God. Know, I don't see the point. I I see I just I never could understand mock drafts because I think it's part my draft style is not like I when I've I've tried to get on board with the whole mock draft thing. And like I've gone in, I've done it and I it, everybody in at least in the small smattering of mock drafts I did, we're all like you have to take the best available. It doesn't matter who you want, you take who's there or else you're gonna screw up the whole mock draft. <laughs> sort of defeated the purpose. <laughs> See, I, I don't look at mock drafts necessarily for that. I really look at mock drafts so I can kind of see what the other 11 owners, you know, are thinking. Where are they drafting, uh, you know, Richard Mendenhall? Where are they drafting Arian Foster? That way, when I go to my real draft, I'm like, dude, I'm totally going to wait another round to get him because he's still going to be there. I know it. You know, I, I, I really use them to gauge to gauge the other owner's perspective on the whole thing. You know, and I, I really think it can give you an edge because you can really tell a lot about players' value and what, what the overall opinion of a player is if you participate in mock drafts. So. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll think about this whole mock draft thing, but it's a little skeptical. <laughs> I feel like it gives me an edge. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm looking in the minds of the other owners. I'll make my list. And we'll see how things go. Well, I mean, on draft day, I always make a list. The, the, the only thing I really bring with me to a draft besides my pencil is a player list made out, you know, divided out into positions. Yeah. And then I, I tier my players because if I don't tier my players, my brain can't function properly. So I just tier them. Yeah. I have my list and I cross off as I go. 
I uh, I tend to make a list for each position. I go yeah. to the top 25 players I would ideally love to have at each position because I'm not a fan of, like, getting caught off guard. I want to know exactly who I want going into it. And, um, you know, I, I'm the kind of person who watches football all day, all Sunday, so I like to see, just take what I know rather than reading a million different blogs or anything mm-hmm. like that. Although if you are going to read a blog, you should read fantasyfootballsherpa.com. Just throw <laughs> it out there. <laughs> but I, I like, I go off my, my gut to mostly for preparation. I like to draft, you know, take people that I know, people that I like, that mm-hmm. whole thing. I go off my list and that's pretty much it. Yeah, Although, I yeah. Mean, I do. I do the same prep. I take the same prep to every draft I do, though. I don't really mix it up for different leagues. No. Yeah, that's pretty much. As long as you have your list and your pencil, you should be good to go. And you got to pay attention. <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> yeah, but you ha- you yeah, have to pay attention to what the other drafters are doing at the you know at the same time. But well, when it comes yeah. down to it, then well, let me ask you this then. When you're when you're when you're going out there trying to put put all the building blocks together to build your fantasy foundation, what positions do you like to target first? How do you, how does your brain work in that? Well, I'm I'm actually the opposite of most people. I don't think running back first. I like mm-hmm. to go and get a quarterback or a wide receiver in the first round, and then whatever I didn't get in the set in the first round, I take the opposite, the quarterback or the wide receiver in the second round. I don't worry about a running back till the third round, unless there's a really big run on them. But I figure there's so many good ones, especially this year with all the tandems. I don't need to waste my first-round pick on it if I have a later pick in the first round. Like, if I have the 10th pick, I'm not going to take a running back. I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) I like the way you think. (laughs) (laughs) As a Packer fan, I thought you might. (laughs) You know, I'm kind of – What's your your preference? You know, I kind of have the same same mindset, only that – I, I don't really say I will never do this or I will always do this. I think that my my opinion on it, my preference changes year to year depending on how deep a position is or, you know, what's, what other people are doing. And it also, it obviously depends more than anything else on what draft slot I have. I mean, if I have the 10th the pick, I'm probably going to grab a wide receiver and then come back and get a running back. You know, so it depends on my draft slot, uh, you know, how deep something is, the caliber of the players that are left. Also, sorts of stuff, but one thing I do subscribe to is that, you know, with the first four picks, the first four rounds, I do everything I can to have a combination of running backs and receivers, whether it's two running backs, two receivers, or three of one and one of the other. Those first four picks, I usually always try to get the best combination of running back and wide receivers that I can. Unless, you know. I usually, oh, go ahead. No, 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 go. I'm usually that jerk that's the first one to take a tight end also. <laughs> yeah, I don't like people like you. So I get who I want. <laughs> I, I'm usually that one that sets off a panic in the draft for positions. Like, I tend to take one them around earlier than everybody else for whatever reason. I just – if I want Jason Witten – and there's not a wide receiver I'm in love with in the fourth round, or you know, I'm gonna just take him then. He's gonna give me just as many points. But well, I, yeah, that's, that's one way to do it. That's why, maybe that's why mock drafts don't work for me. I just screw with the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> that, could that could be it. Yeah. Well, what draw? What draft slot preference do you like? Where Where do you like to draft I, when you when you do it? If 
ideally in a snake style draft, I would like to be either right in the middle, like the sixth pick, so that I get evenly spaced picks, or I want to be the last one or two, like 11 or 12, so that I get that wraparound pick right away. I don't like being the first pick when it comes to football, because then I have to take a running back. <laughs> like, if, yeah. you're, if you're in the first five picks, I feel like you're almost, like, already spoken for when you get to the draft. Like, there's just you, – if Maurice Jones-Drew is right there, you can't not take him. Like, that's a yeah. little bit crazy. Yeah. So I, I like being later in the draft so I have more flexibility. I am the exact same way. I prefer to be, you know, right smack in the middle. That way, as my turn comes each time, there's never going to be a chance where one position is going to get away from me. There can never be a run on something because I'm going to be in the middle of it. You know, so I really like the middle picks. And I also really like the turn like you do. That way I feel like I could grab top quality right in a row, back to back, and then I just watch everybody else as they suck because I picked all the good players, you know, so, but I think it also depends, it also depends, you know, just like before, whether, you know, it's it's based on talent, the depth, your personal preference, it, it, whether or not, it's yeah, even, I um, think, I think like each draft has its own kind of vibe. You can it does, sort of, it really like, does. Everyone's going to be a little different, and I think you have to be able to be flexible to that to really succeed. Like if you're going in with a, like a hard and fast plan, like, I'm taking this position in this round, this one and this one. It's just I don't think if you're going to be as successful as you could be. Oh, I think that's a totally in a, it's a good idea, but it's it's really ineffective for the for the long haul because there's there's no way everything's going to go as you planned. And so and it and and I think there's a big difference in strategy whether when it's a slow draft versus a fast draft, two minutes to make yeah. a pick versus 12 hours. Man, I love slow drafts. I feel like I I take <laughs> advantage of people in slow drafts because, I mean, it just my brain works so much better when I have 12 hours to think about what I'm going to do. At the same time, really? I kind of like, drive myself I crazy. I like the faster, the faster picks better. I like the, the two minutes, you know, people are there or they're not, they're checked in or they're not, and I can capitalize on it. Like, my brother's the kind of guy who's going to walk away to get a snack and forget he's got two picks coming up. And I'm, I'm going to draft with your brother. <laughs> yeah, you really should. <laughs> like, I well, then, had to call him and be like, listen, you're drafting now. Could you come back? <laughs> well, how do you think not um, everybody is that way? <laughs> Oh yeah, I, when, let me tell you, when I have a, a fast draft, it would take a, a, a hurricane to pry me away from the computer because I'm not missing a darn thing, that is for sure. <laughs> now when you're drafting, does it matter to you things like being a point per reception league versus a non-point per reception league or bi-week schedules, do those factor into whether you draft one guy over another? Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of of the fashion that I really, truthfully, only like PPR leagues. I don't even like being in non-PPR leagues. leagues. I don't think it's as fun. And uh, if I'm ever in one, I can I'll do everything I can to turn it into a PPR league. You know, but you know, and that has a lot to do with, um, you know, this whole question is is really about you have got to make sure more than anything else that that the rankings that you develop are in tune and completely match the scoring system. Because I'll tell you what, in a, in a non-PPR versus a PPR league, your rankings are totally different. In a non-PPR, RB, running back's value, it, it totally changes because 
in right. non-PPR leagues, touchdowns are king. So people like like Michael Turner and, and Cedric Benson, their value is going to go up. It is going to shoot up because touchdowns are king. Right. And then, and then you know, you have to just be sure that you factor in your scoring system. I mean, I mean, how would it affect you, your drafting, if the quarterbacks, their passing touchdown was four points or six points? If it's four points, you're not really going to reach for a quarterback as early as you might if they were worth six points. Right. And so people think, oh, all scoring. People think all scoring is the same, but it is so not, and it is essential to to be to have a successful draft. It's funny because I tend to play in more non PPR leagues. I don't know why. I just, just I think that's what I I did the first time I ever played, and it was what I was most used to. But I just my rankings don't change too drastically between one or the other. There are some changes, but I kind of. I have a feel for who I want and who I like and guys I keep going back to year after year, and I don't deviate from it a ton. But, I, 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 again, I play in more non-PPR leagues, so I don't encounter it that much. But bye yeah. weeks are I, is definitely something I look at throughout the whole draft. I make sure I have somebody for every slot to fill on every week. I, I'm not one that, you know, makes a lot of trades or is going to drop guys and pick them up just for a week. I draft backups everywhere so that I don't ever run into that problem. But bye weeks are something I always worry about, but it doesn't seem like as many people do. Well, I tell you what, we are like totally opposite drafters. <laughs> because, uh, I mean, you know, everybody has to admit, bye weeks do play a factor. You don't want all five of your running backs and all five of your receivers to all have bye week eight. You know, obviously, but uh, yeah. I would never pass on somebody at a great value spot who has a lot of talent just because they have the same bye week as somebody else. I would never do that. Maybe that week I might take a dip in scoring, but the rest of the the rest of the season well, I'm going to be say Tom Brady's there and Derek Anderson's there. I'm not going to say no to Tom Brady obviously, but it just if it's close to comparable value and it's maybe I'm going to lose a few points, I may go with the other guy who so I don't take that dip at all. Ideally, but it doesn't That's really admirable. Work out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I do. I, I, I'm friends with this guy who, what he does is he only picks players that have the same bye week. Okay, he does I've his heard best of to that pick. I've never he does his best, <laughs> yes, to make sure all his players have the same same bye week, so that maybe on week eight. Nobody will play, but for the rest of the season, he never has bye week issues. Now he's won a couple yeah. weeks and he's lost a couple he weeks, just, but um, he just hunts the whole week and just just totally takes one that week, and yep, then the if, rest he doesn't even have to worry about it. Yep, that's and if you know what, that's his style. I'm not saying it works yeah. for everybody, but gosh darn it, if he likes it, then go for it. You know, but uh, <laughs> it's not everybody's cup of tea. No, no, I don't think I could ever. I think it would just make me too nervous. I don't think I could ever do that. Yeah, well, it's, it, it really is all about your personal drafting style. That That's mm-hmm. that's all it is, you know, so. So then when you well, go into drafting, do you have things like college or team allegiances that are going to influence who you draft? Like, are you more likely to draft more Packers than anybody else? I wholeheartedly admit that in my days of fantasy football, I have, I think I have a problem because <laughs> I have reached, <laughs> I have reached for many Packer players in my day. I don't like load up my team with Packer players, but you know, 
I have I have a serious crush on Aaron Rodgers, and if I have to reach for him, gosh darn it, I'm going to do it because I love him. <laughs> but you know, you do what you got to do. I can't help it. <laughs> but um, See, you know, the opposite. Like I almost don't want to take guys on the Cowboys, not just because we fade at the end of the year, but because it's like. If they lose, it's doubly crushing for me. <laughs> oh, it is. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I, I just, even though I'm a Cowboys fan, I could never have Tony Romo on my team. It's just too frustrating. I like it makes me too stressed out. I'm stressed enough when I watch them play, and I like I don't want any more pressure on it. So, I, but also I'm less likely to put Eagles players on my team than anybody else. Oh, absolutely. No, you will never, I, 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 <laughs> you will never, ever, ever, ever catch me with a, a, a Viking on my team. Now, I will admit, last year in the, I, I have to retract my statement, last year in the Fantasy Sports Writer Association draft, I drafted Aaron Rodgers, I, ha, I mean, Adrian Peterson, I had the number one overall pick, I couldn't help it, and the whole oh, team, yeah. I want, the, the, the whole year, I just wanted to, like, gouge my eyes out because I felt myself secretly rooting for them, and I felt like I was just totally going to go to hell for that. It's hard. <laughs> I, it's hard to do. <laughs> it is. I will never draft another Viking again. It was just – it was the bane of my existence last year. But, um, yeah. you know, but not, but not just a, a, a NFL allegiances, but, you know, my college allegiance, I, I am a diehard LSU fan. Go Tigers. And you know, if 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 I'm if I'm in the middle of a draft and I have to debate about a couple players who kind of are the same ADP like like Dwayne Bow and Hakeem Nix, of course I'm going to take Dwayne Bow because he's an LSUer over Hakeem Nix. You know, so yeah, I think it what is he what was he a Tar Heel or something? But um, yeah. anyways, of course I'm going to take Dwayne Bow. I can't I can't help it. I have to I have to go with my allegiance there. So I, I openly admit that I do that. I it. People can call me a homo all they want, but it's not bad. (laughs) Well, it's not bad if it's a good team. Fun for you, that's what's good. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just glad my favorite team isn't the Rams or something. So (laughs) yeah, that would be hard. Yeah, that would. (laughs) Well, what about players who've cost you a championship or ones that have won you a championship? Say a guy who's done really terrible or one who's really helped you. Are you more or less likely to take them? I mean, well, you know, two tight ends of the same caliber, one you've had before, one you haven't. Which one are you more likely to take? Well, I think I think we, we kind of lean on the, the thing that we feel like would be more of a safe pick, which would be somebody who's performed well for us in the past. Yeah. You know, I, I drafted T.O. last year, and I hoped it would work out in Buffalo. It didn't. But now he's in Cincy, and even though he kind of pooched me a little bit, I would still probably yeah. draft him. I have drafted him again because I think he's in a better situation. You know, and I oh, think definitely. that – yeah, and, and when somebody does well for us on the other end of the spectrum, here we have this this personal connection with them, and I think we're exactly. it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have like this gut instinct to to draft them over somebody else. It's just I think it's just human nature to do that. So yeah, I mean you're more comfortable with what you feel like you know you're going to get out of them because you've had them for a year or two or whatever. You sort of you feel like you kind of know them in the fantasy football sense that it's yep easier to take them and reach for them. Absolutely. I can definitely agree with that. That's one thing we actually draft the same. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a girl quality, too. (laughs) Yeah, probably. 
<laughs> well, um, keeping on this this kind of topic here, how what what are what, what do you think about weather conditions? How does that affect how you draft somebody? Do you even think about weather? It doesn't really affect me when I draft, but it, it's definitely something I take into account each week when I'm trying to figure out who I want to start. Mm-hmm. It might be a little bit of an overkill, but like. I mean, I watch all those pregame shows on Sunday morning, so I can be like, oh, there's going to be a blizzard in Buffalo today. Maybe I'm going to start a, a running back there as opposed to a wide receiver. Just little things like that. But I'm also a little OCD, so maybe I'm controlling it too much. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think everybody looks at the weather outlook, and if it's extreme conditions like a blizzard, most people are likely to alter their lineups for it. But when it comes to drafting – I think the the only thing I really take into consideration when it comes to weather and drafting is is my kickers. Like I always try to draft a dome kicker and somebody who has a really late buy. Like this year, I'm kind of targeting Garrett Hartley if I decide to take a kicker early because you know late late yeah. buy dome. If I can't get him, I'll I'll wait for Josh Brown because you know kickers they 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 score points too. You know, and I I feel. I it like that I never thought hey I should have a kicker with a late buy like I never thought about it in that terms but that's a really good idea well I just do it because because I don't draft a backup kicker so I draft with the latest buy I can somebody who kicks in a dome so that I don't have to freaking think about it (laughs) you know and by and by the time that buy comes up you know I can Uh I can fix my, my my problem there but well I'm one of those people who drafts backups Everywhere. <laughs> oh my. So that's it. Let's talk about backups. Okay. <laughs> I think I take a backup kicker. I take a backup defense. I take a backup tight end. I might even have two backup tight ends if you're really strong about it. Yeah, you're killing I'm me. that guy. <laughs> I mean, I will totally, I, I will totally take a, a backup tight end. Yes. Half the time I take a backup defense. I will never take a backup kicker unless I feel so confident. Oh my gosh! I just I feel like my, my that roster spot would be better used with like a running back or receiver to really fill in and make that 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 depth there in my position. I feel like I'm wasting it if I take a second kicker. I mean, there have there have been some leagues where I did not have a backup kicker. I've never ever not had a backup defense. It just makes me too nervous. Wow. <laughs> I have one time last year I did not have a backup kicker, and I spent that roster spot on a running back who then got hurt. So it kind of kicked me, you know, in the butt there. didn't work out for me. But I just – I also have had some guys like – I had Nick Folk last year who totally fell off the end of the world at the second half of the season. So it was good I had that backup kicker. And I've had defenses that kind of went up and down, and it just was nice to have the option. But I'm not going to take a crappy backup defense. It's not worth it. I'd like to have a good one and a mediocre one. <laughs> yeah, I usually That's just. I about it. Yeah. Well, then on, on that same note, do you handcuff your running backs? I mean, what do you even think about handcuffs? Do you think it's a stupid idea, a good idea? What's your opinion? I I think it's a little bit insane. I just I can't like. I understand if you really are are nervous about, like, say you're taking Cadillac Williams and you're like, oh, he's, you know, he doesn't have a great history of staying healthy. But if I feel like if you're that worried about losing a player or you think the team's strong enough that you want two of their running backs just in case, 
maybe you should be looking at other players. I'd mm-hmm. rather have somebody that I was totally confident, you know, wasn't uh, a walking doctor's office with, you know, white tape all over their body. But I just, I never saw the allure of it. And I've seen people do it, and if that's their thing, awesome. But it just totally not for me. Yeah, I... I'm I'm pretty much under the same umbrella as you. I I think that people who can't handcuff almost every running back, I think that they're plain kind of stupid. You know, I can yeah. I will totally buy into buying insurance for your top running back. I, I I will I will concede that if I if I draft Adrian Peterson, one of the very last picks I make, I'm probably going to grab Toby Gerhardt. If I draft MJD, I'm probably later up going to get Rashad Jennings. But I, I really only buy insurance for my top running back. That's pretty much it. Other than that, I honestly feel that I could find much better quality to, to, to flesh out my, my positions rather than grabbing a, a, a handcuff for each one of those. I, I just find that asinine well, half the time. Especially this year, it seems like the meat of your draft, the middle rounds, is so much stronger than it has in yes. the last couple of seasons. I just, even if that's something you had done in the past, I don't see why there's any reason to do it this year. I just, there's way too much talent out there to just, I mean, obviously I'm filling out my roster with kickers and defenses, so I don't have any <laughs> players, but, but people who aren't as crazy as I am, I just, I don't think there's any point this year more than ever. Oh no, there's a lot of depth and there's a lot, there's a lot of talent in the middle this year, definitely by far. And you know, and that's, and you know, I'm I'm really, really, really big on building solid running back, wide receiver depth there in those positions. And I, and I usually oh, yeah. pretty much fill those out before I start tackling all the other skill positions. You know, but if, if there is a top tier player available that is a, a great value, you know, I, I'll I'll go out of my box and maybe draft that that quarterback or draft that or draft that tight end before I finish flushing out those positions. You know, in the FSWA draft this year, I took MJD first. I came back and took Miles Austin, and then I came back and I was like. Well, hell, Peyton Manning's there. Why not grab him? The price is right. I can have top. I can have MJD, Miles Austin, and Peyton Manning. It's like a a dream team. I would totally do that. And so I went out of my box and I did that. And now, you know, you know, now I'm spending the time filling in the 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 other running backs and and wide receivers. And so sometimes I think it works, but. but the, the value has got to be there, and, and you, can't, you can't reach for it, I don't think, really. You know. Yeah. I like to – I almost try to get one quarterback, wide receiver, running back, tight end in my first four rounds, get a stud at each position, and then fill out. Get some wow. middle, middle of the road, not the number one receivers on teams, and running backs as the draft goes on. But I like to have a sure thing in each position. But yeah, that's definitely one way to go. Tight end too early, so um, and it actually looks like we have a caller. Oh um, my gosh! We have uh, to ask us strategy-wise. Hi there, you're on the air with Fourth and Inches. Hi, Fourth and Inches. How's it going tonight? Very Good. well. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Hey, I got a question for you. I went through a draft and I kept on waiting for my quarterbacks and. My league's really, I don't know what was wrong with my league, but they had four quarterbacks go on the first round. Uh, Tony Romo went, 
Yeah, first round. Tony Romo went in the fourth, uh, was at the end of the 12, uh, number 12 spot. Oh, my goodness. Who are you drafting with? <laughs> uh, I don't know. But they really screwed me up because I was just going after value after value. So I ended uh-huh. up with, uh, I ended up with, uh, I, I, we, we draft 20. We draft a total okay. of 20. We play one, one quarterback. And so I got Cutler at the, I think I got him in the eighth. Okay. Uh, then I got Stafford, and then I got Campbell. So my okay. question is, do you think, yeah, it's not too bad. We're, we're a yardage league. We're a real high points league. So I figure okay. those guys are going to be playing from behind, throwing all day long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So my question is, is it worth dropping Campbell for Orton, or do you think just hold with Campbell? Uh, I would just uh, go, go ahead, Jana, if you want. I Kyle Orton makes me a little uneasy. I don't love him, but I also don't love Jason Campbell. Although, I mean, that's a hard one. I don't think there's a, a huge difference in value one over the other. Um, but I feel like Orton's liable to give you more interceptions. Maybe stay with Campbell now and see how the first week goes. Okay. Well, I'm I'm going to be of a of a of a different opinion here. I would totally take Kyle Orton over Campbell any day and twice on Sundays. I think the receivers that Kyle Orton has to throw to are, are, are much better, and they've got no Sean Marino there that that, that that can take passes out of backfield. Eddie Royal is definitely going to be you know back at hopefully back at the 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 caliber he was 2 years ago when he was a rookie so i personally i would i would definitely let go of the the raider quarterback and take Kyle Orton but i mean and, and you've got you've already got Jay Cutler so either way you're not really going to lose anything if if you're I'm if you are dedicated gonna, to Cutler as your starter start, you're going to start Stafford or uh uh Cutler over him most likely you're only starting right. one right 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 I, yeah, I mean, if it's a yardage league, Orton works. I think they both work, and Ginny's got a good point, a point that Orton may have better receivers coming for you. Uh, hopefully Marino doesn't take away too many of his, his pass attempts, I, but ideally they'd just be throwing to Marino, which would help you even more. I think Stewart, or not Stewart, but I think uh, Stafford's going to come up and move up I think he's rated, what, 17 or 15 or something like that? I think he definitely can improve as the season goes on. It just it, It's hard to say with Detroit. They were just so terrible last year. You, it, you don't know if the team knows how to win yet, you know? Yeah, and Matt Stafford is definitely ranked on most drafts anywhere between the 15th and 20th quarterback, depending on who you ask. And, but they've got Calvin Johnson, man. How much – more do you want? And Nate Burleson is good there too, and they got Bryant Johnson, yeah. you know, and 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 so, you know, and they definitely have that great new rookie this year, Javid Best. So I mean, I, I as a Packer fan, I can't I can't actually endorse the Lions because I'm anti Lions <laughs> as a Packer fan, but I will say that I will give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, how about last question? What's the last status on uh, Jonathan Stewart? Um, let me think. Do you I, know what it is? I don't I don't know offhand. I don't have a ton of I I would hope he's ready for the beginning of the season, but I don't think he's taken any snaps yet. 
Okay. Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't Sorry. know the status of him right now. Sorry. <laughs> okay. All right, ladies. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Thank you. Well, hopefully we don't totally tank his draft there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't know him. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> well, thanks for calling in, and guys, feel free to give us a call, tweet us, email us if you have any questions. Uh, you can also do that throughout the week if you're looking for help. Um, I Where were we? We were talking about how we want to flesh out our teams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I let me ask like you this. Such a, oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I just feel like it's such, it, it changes for so many people, like the route that they go through. And I think it's hard to really make a, a really bad decision this year because the amount of depth, especially with teams doing running back tandems, you know, it's it's hard to totally miss on a pick. You may not get the greatest value that you could have had versus somebody else, but you aren't going to really drop off the map the way that you could have in the past. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think whatever way you go about fleshing it out, if, as long as you're comfortable with it, that's the way you should do it. Uh, obviously, you and I draft totally differently. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it can work either way, so that's good. <laughs> Well, um, when, when it comes to drafting questionable players, you know, people people that are suspended, people that are hurt, people that are, are, are holding out right now, how does that affect right. where you draft them or, or, or even if you draft them at all? What, what is your opinion on that? Um, for me, I try to stay away from suspended players if I can, uh, especially the Ben Roethlisberger's of the world, the Vincent Jackson's, just it, – it seems to to just throw a team's chemistry off balance. I'm a big believer in guys, you know, working together, building a rapport, and that's who you see them going to during a game. Mm-hmm. For example, um, you know, Tony Romo and Jason Witten. They've been working together so long, he's like a security blanket. But I feel like with Roethlisberger missing four, three, six games, depending on how this, this appeal goes he's working on, I just feel like he's not going to have the same touch that he did, and it makes me less likely to draft him. The same thing with Vincent Jackson. God knows how long he'll hold out after his suspension. Um, but if if I can avoid them, no, I don't want them. But if they're going to be worth it, it's a late round, I might take a flyer on them. I had a friend who got Sidney Rice. Uh, the injured Vikings player with his right. very last pick, and he's out at least half the season. But with your last pick, hey, maybe you get him for your playoff push. So I think it depends on how your team looks so far in the draft. But I think you definitely need to downgrade guys who are suspended. They shouldn't be taken at the same spot they would have been last season. Oh, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. You know, uh, and I, like, like your friend, I would never completely shy away from drafting a player that's in this predicament, but you, you really have to balance, you know, the value versus the talent. You know, um, if, if it's simply too good to pass up, then grow some balls and take the player. You know, I mean. You've got to take risks to win. Right, Sydney. Sydney Rice. I even have to admit, has Brett Favre throwing to him. He's he may be on the pup list now, but you know he he would like like you said make a great playoff push if you need to. So if he's there in the last couple of rounds and you have a roster spot, pick him up. 
You know, it's not going to yeah. hurt. Okay. If you have to drink get wild and take him in the middle rounds of your draft, I'm not, especially if you're also taking Vincent Jackson. You need to have a strong wide receiving core that if you take him and he doesn't pan out, it's not going to kill your team. Right. I think that's right. why you have to kind of balance with what you've got already drafted. Exactly, exactly. And I took San, San Antonio Holmes in a draft. I know he's suspended four games, but when he comes back, I hope that, you know, I hope that that works out for me. But, um, you know, I I, it, so too. it makes me a little nervous that he's with a whole different team on top of the suspension. But maybe that'll be a good thing. <laughs> yep, we, we won't know. But uh, <laughs> you can report back to us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But um, what about about Ben Roethlisberger? What do you think about him? Are you taking him? Are you avoiding him altogether? What's your take? Well, I can tell you uh, truthfully that I've I've never really been a Ben Roethlisberger fan. There's something about him that just I don't know. Maybe it's just being a woman. I look at him and I'm just like totally put off and I know that is like the total that's the stupidest reason not to draft somebody but I can't help it I just I don't draft him do what I it's it's a reason I mean that works I I've actually had him on a lot of teams um I also think like a dude though (laughs) (laughs) Um, maybe that plays into it but I mean he it's a guy that I had you know in the past when he first started uh, and it was one of those things where it's a player who had done well for me that I kind of kept coming back to. But now I'm just totally turned off of this whole situation. I don't like the drama. I don't like the shenanigans. I don't want, even even though it's not a real team, I am the GM of a fictitious football team, and I don't want that bad presence there. <laughs> I I totally agree with that. That's good. <laughs> but, I mean, I, there's guys like – I. what about the Jets' defense with Revis holding out? There's conflicting stories. Maybe he's close. Maybe he's not even close, and he's maybe going to miss games. Does that make you think twice about drafting the Jets' defense? Well, I can be honest with you and say this much is that I mean they're pretty much the number one defense in most people's rankings, and by the time I go to draft a defense, they're long gone. So I really don't even have to consider that to be honest, because <laughs> I'm, I'm never another, gonna. We've got another caller here. Sorry to oh my goodness! <laughs> Hi, you're on fourth and inches. Oh, and they're gone. <laughs> well, they were on fourth and inches. We offended them. <laughs> well, I looked up the Jonathan Stewart stuff real quickly, and they said that that he might play on the preseason game. And um, if so, then it looks like a, more of a chance that he'll play week one, but they're still waiting to see whether or not he's going to play in the preseason game, the next one. So. All right. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah. Um, but getting back to the whole Revis situation, what do you think? Well, you know, I think it – I just – I don't know if I'm too keen on, on – on, I think I would probably still still take them anyways. I, if, if I was going to yeah, take I mean, the defense, I would probably still do it. Because you know what? He might be one of the best – cover corners in the league and and without him something will definitely hurt the team there's you're going to tell that something is missing but i still think that they warrant a high defensive pick you know so i I would still go with them 
I definitely think there's still going to be a good defense. I don't know if they make it to the top of the, you know, the top two or three elite defenses like they were. I mean, I, Revis, I feel like, is a big part of it. He may not be the only leader of the defense, but he, I think he's a big part of the leadership. I know they have guys like Bart Scott there who are, you know, known leaders. But I just, I feel like with if he misses any time, it's going to throw the defense off kilter a little bit. But I honestly, if he signs and decides to, you know, cross his little picket line the day before the first game, I think they'll be, you know, just fine. It's not like he's yeah. coming into a new system. It's not like they don't know him. I, it'll be an easy transition once he comes back. I just, for people who are drafting this week, you, you're going to have to make a gut call on it. But if you're drafting after week one, like some people do, I mean, obviously you'll know. You'll know what's happening. He'll either have missed time or he won't. Right. And I think it'll be an easier decision to make there. But they're obviously still going to be a top ten defense with or without him. Oh, I think yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, you know, kind of going back to, to to personal drafting strategies, If what do you feel about drafting combinations of players? Would you draft a quarterback and a wide receiver from the same team? Would you draft a wide receiver and a running back from the same team? What's your opinion on, on those style, that style of drafting? If I can at all avoid it, I will at all costs. But exactly. Be insane and say, oh, I have – you know, Jason Witten, I can't take Tony Romo if he leaps and bounds the best guy available then because I'm not crazy. Well, I might be, but I'm not that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I totally, I, totally agree. It makes me so uncomfortable to have guys, you know, a quarterback, a wide receiver tandem, a QB tight end, especially on teams like the Cowboys where the tight end is an integral part because if they have a bad game or, you know, the the other team's defense is incredible, I'm, my team's tanked. There's no recovering from two-year star players not putting up enough points. I exactly. I I'm the same way as you. If I can avoid it, I will. But you know what? If there's the elite of elite and the value is just so good I can't pass it up, I would be forced to do it. I would have to pull the trigger, but I would hate every minute of it. Yeah. You know, so, but, uh, exactly. yeah. I, it's like it's like you had to put a Viking on your team last year. Sometimes you have to suck it up and do things like I that. I know. You have to be a man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, but, I just, um, it's, it's like handcuffing your players. I just – I think it's unnecessary. I think there's enough talent in the league, and especially later in rounds, that you just don't have to do it. Yeah. There aren't – it's not like, say, five years ago when it's, you know, the Colts and the Pats, and, you know, they're just – you want everybody on their team because they're just so far ahead of the rest of the league. It's like, you know, there's a lot more parity. There's a lot more closeness and the amount of talent on teams. It's not just – one all-star team in each league. It's a bunch of guys are really good on a bunch of teams, so you have plenty of options. Yeah. Well, do you do you consciously then actually sit there and limit the the number of players that you will get from any given team? Do you say once I have two Cowboys, oh, yeah. I, I I swear to you, I'm not going to draft anymore? Or does Absolutely. it just happen sometimes you might get more? If I, it would be unusual for me to have three people from one team, and I don't count the kicker and the defense in that. They're a whole separate entity. But say three guys from one offense would be unheard of for me. I couldn't, 
if I get more than two guys on a team, it starts. I it makes me very uneasy. I just yeah. I feel like there's too much put on one team or one game that I'd rather avoid it if I could. It's not. I'm not going to definitely say, you know, no. I'm going to tank my team just for the sake of having diversity, but. I would rather not if there was any other possible way. Yeah, I'm not that much of a risk taker either. I I, I really always, whether it's rounding out positions or or taking, uh, you know, teams into into consideration, I really try to strive for some sort of balance in my teams, and, and I will do everything I can to avoid putting all my eggs in one basket. And that's for my life too. I won't. I won't. I just. I don't like. I don't like depending on one thing for everything. It just it makes me very uneasy. You know, I feel like one small thing can go wrong and the whole house is going to crumble. And I'm just I'm not that yeah. that ballsy to to depend on that at all at all. So well, I think I think one thing that we can agree on, no matter how much we've disagreed on on how we draft <laughs> and how we prepare, is that a lot of what we do when we draft and to prepare for a draft is more on instinct than reading a ton of other people's stats. Right. But I think that comes from the fact that we 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 kind of do this for a living, Janet, and so yeah. we we're, we're we're pretty serious fans. Right. We're always reading the stats. We're always reading the player updates. We're getting all these emails. We're subscribers to all this stuff, and so in turn, we we're already absorbing it. So our instincts are already you know, pre-biased according to stats and other people's opinions. You know, the the average fantasy footballer do what? Mm-hmm. I, I oh, was agreeing with you. That's very true. Yeah, the, the the average fantasy footballer probably doesn't engross themselves into into as much you know in depth stuff that we do. I mean, I I can. It, it's just you know I think it just comes with the territory of of what you do that 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 kind of stuff just almost comes natural to us. But yeah, I don't know. Well, I think we had an awesome show today. We're gonna. Have I really it, enjoyed uh, it. Closing it down here, <laughs> and we'll definitely have you come back throughout the season and see how your other teams are doing. <clears throat> Excuse me, see how that crazy draft strategy of yours is going. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys uh, have a fantasy football league, don't you? Or is it full already? Uh, we are full, but uh, we're thinking about expanding to a second. We've had a little bit more interest than just one league's worth, so I will keep you posted on that. Uh, Please do, because I would... If you, are, if you are still interested, let me know. Send me an email, tweet us, tweet me, Ginny, Scott, anybody, really. Just let us know you want to play, and I can set up a second league, because right now our first is full, but we have had a little more interest. Uh, so please let me know. You can find us on Twitter at the number 4THN Inches Show and on email under the same handle, the number 4THN Inches Show at gmail.com. You can find us here every week on Blog Talk Radio from 9.30 to 10.30. Uh, you can find us throughout the week through email, Twitter, uh, through the 4th and Inches Show Twitter. You can find the Sherpa and I and Ginny's personal Twitters where you can harass us there as well if you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) I love Um, harassment. Bring it on. (laughs) Right now our Fantasy Football League draft on Monday night, and everybody got an email about it. It's at 845. And also during the week you should check out FantasyFootballSherpa.com. That's 
obviously the Sherpa's website and blog. I blog there as well. This week we talked about handcuffing players, the pros and cons of it, and there are customizable stats there so you can get ready for your draft under your point system. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's also updated daily with cuts, injuries, etc. Anything you need is there. So come back and see us next week. Let us know if you're interested in fantasy football. And thank you so much, Ginny. It was such a fun show. I agree. And I will come back anytime that the Sherpa has other business to attend to. It was my pleasure, really. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.